Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Today, you know, I want to talk about a glorious mess. You know, sometimes, you know, God takes our mess that we're in and he turns it into something glorious. Who knows that? Who's, been, who's that testimony? Who could honestly say, that was me. I was in a mess and he's actually taken it, molded it, and he's done something phenomenal with it. Uh, he's just taken us out of our mess and put us into this glorious mess. And people look in and they go, wow, how could this even happen? And so this morning, uh, the scripture that I'm going to use is Romans chapter 5. I've got this from Romans 5, verse 5 to 8. And it says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who, ha- who was given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for, scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Who loves that scripture? That Christ actually died for us. That while we were sinners, while we were ungodly, He died for us. He had you and me on His mind. I read that first part of the scripture. If we look it up there, it says, Now hope does not disappoint. Who's ever been disappointed? Who's ever had their hopes up and ever been disappointed? Like, honestly, it's that time where some of us men, you know, deep down, all us men want to have a ute at some stage in our life. True? Most men, we want to have a ute. We see another guy drive past in a ute and we go, that's a good ute. I want a ute. And I look at my life and yes, I would love a ute, but I've got too many kids to have a ute. You know, if I was in the 70s, I could chuck them in the back of the ute and it would be all okay. I'm just like, God, was I born in the right era? But, you know, you, you see the ad on TV for this ute. You know, there's this ute that all of a sudden ends up in sea and the guy's crying and it's in the sea. And next minute he's walking along the seashore and there is his ute somehow gone through the ocean and is sitting on the shore. He gets in it and he turns it over first go and drives off and climbs up a cliff at a 90 degree angle and then he drives off into the sunset. Has anyone seen that ad? And you look at that ad and you go, you know what, I've got to have a ute like that. I've got to have that ute. Because you know, if I've got that ute, everything will be fine. And then all of a sudden he's driving off into the sunset and there's a freight train that has broken down. And so he hooks the ute up to a freight train and tows that freight train back into town. I've got to have that ute. But unfortunately, when you buy that ute, and we all buy the ute, well, not me, but maybe you, you buy the ute and you have your hope that, you know what, this ute is going to answer all my prayers. And then you take it out and you try driving it through a puddle and the tire pops. You try driving it up your driveway and you have to push it up the driveway with the kids. You try hanging it onto a freight train and you realize, but all these hopes are dashed and you're like, you've been sold another lie. 
Anyone else in the same boat? Or to relate to most people here, you're sitting down at TV and you're watching the ads go through and you see Hungry Jack's come and the burgers are always better at Hungry Jack's because you've been to McDonald's and you know it's cardboard, but you go, you know what? I just got to have a burger. I got to have the bacon, cheese, deluxe, Whopper, you know, the whole thing. And, and you see it, it's dripping with fat. It is awesome. And it's like someone is eating it and they're like almost, you know, they can't even fit the thing in their mouth. Their hands are, you know, the whole thing. And then you get there, you line up, you go to the line, you get your burger. And all of a sudden you can put that burger like a 50 cent piece in the palm of your hand. Your hopes are dashed. But unfortunately, sometimes in our life, that's how we come to Christ. We hear about this hope of the world. We hear about these things and we take the perception of what we have in life where our hope has always been let down, where there's always been disappointment. We take that into our relationship with God. I want to tell you today that in Christ, there is a hope that never disappoints. He is the hope of the world. He is the answer that we need in this world today. It is a hope that never disappoints. It is a hope. It's a hope. It's not a wishful thinking. It's not a hope something will happen. It's not a wish upon the star type of hope. It's a confident expectation hope. In Romans, he's talking about the hope, a confidence, an expectation. A hope is a firm assurance regarding things that are unclear and unknown. That's what this hope is about. In Hebrews 11 verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's a hope that goes beyond just the natural realm. Hope is the fundamental component of the life of the righteous. Let me tell you this, without hope, life loses its meaning. Without hope, life loses its meaning. Right now we live in a generation where they've lost hope, where there's a generation that is walking around, they've lost hope. They've lost hope in humanity. There's lost hope in, in society. They've lost hope even in Facebook. They've lost hope in everything. And they're walking around. We wonder why that they are falling out. We wonder why people are ending their life so short because they have no hope. I want to tell you today, friend, that hope is found in Christ. That hope is found in Him. There's an assurance, there's a hope that can bring healing to all humanity and that is found in Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 29 Verse 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. When you find Christ, what you realize this is that you find the plan that He has for your life. He actually has a plan for humanity. He has a plan for you and I. Every plan that He has for each and every one of us is unique and different for you. But there is one plan that is the same, that He always wants us to walk with Him. Talk with Him. Have relationship with Him. Friend, today, He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. 
And when you find that plan, when you come into that hope, what I find is that the hope, you will find a future. If people just find the hope of the world, if they find Jesus, they'll find their future. They'll find their future. Hope and future go together. Hope and future go together. If you've walked into this place and you're thinking of giving up, or it's like, you know, it's not even worth it. It's not even worth me even voicing my opinion. Friend, today, there is a hope and there is a future for you in Christ. There is a hope and there is a future for you in God. But you just have to take hold of that hope. You have to believe in Him. Christian hope is founded in faith, in the divine salvation in Christ. In the divine salvation in Christ. You know, 1 Timothy 1 verse 1, and I love how Paul writes this. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior, and the Christ Jesus, our hope. He is our hope. There is no other hope. He is our hope. Jesus is the hope of the world. In Him, you will not find disappointment. In Him, you will not find disappointment. Oh yeah, but you don't know. I've tried this thing called church. Well, I want to say this, is that I will always disappoint you. Don't look to me, look to Him. Our hope is not found in each other. Our hope is found in Him. Our hope is found in Him. Today, church, Jesus is the hope of the world. I want to say this, this is hope. It's actually given. My second point is freely. It's actually given freely. You know, the love of God has been poured out for you and I. It was actually a free gift from Him. Ephesians 1 verse 6, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has given us in the one He loves, which He has given freely, given to us, given freely us. We cannot earn it. No matter what you do, there's a hope. He gave it freely. He gave Himself freely for you and I. It was poured out. Jesus was poured out. There was no cost on our part, but just acceptance. Just acceptance and accepting Him, a a turning to Him, a turning our, our mess into a glorious mess. You know, Jesus, He always says this. He says, hey, come as you are, but I I love you so much that I'll never leave you as you are. I I love you so much. I I want you to come and have a relationship with me. You know, I'll even pay the price. I'll even pay for you. I I love you so much. Come and accept. And as we accept, you know, He he says this, I love you so much that I actually never want to leave you the same. I want you to go out. You know, when people encounter you, they should always leave better than when they first walked in. And that's what Christ does for us. That's what Jesus does for us. It's given freely. It's given freely. In Acts 10, 44 to 46, 
It was while Peter was bearing witness, he was testifying, he was proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles in front of some Jews. And what you've got to realize is back in the day is that they thought salvation was only for the Jews. But it's actually for everyone. It's for the Gentiles. It's for all humanity. And here he was here in this time where he was sharing the gospel. And we'll pick it up in 1044. It says, No sooner were these words out of Peter's mouth than the Holy Spirit came on the listeners. The believing Jews who had come with Peter couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on outsiders, non-Jews. But there it was. They heard them speaking in tongues and heard them praising God. It was for outsiders. Now, I want to say this. This gift is actually for everyone. It's actually for everyone. No matter how much of a mess you are in or how much of a mess others think you're in, this hope was for you, for you and I. It was for everyone. It's hope, salvation for you and for I, for all of us. You know, sometimes and we can go through life and I, I don't know about you, but you can see certain people, you can hear certain situations, you sit with certain people and, and sometimes I do and I, I sit with people and they tell me the mess that they're in, they tell me the circumstances, the situation and I just sit there and I go, you know what, I've got no answers. I've never been in that situation. It's like, I got no answers for this one. I got nothing. You know what? The only thing, the only one that can help this is Jesus. Is Jesus. And the only answer that I have for people is Jesus. Because when it comes to natural circumstances, sometimes they just need a supernatural answer. And all the counseling and all the wisdom that I can give them, and that's not much, is not going to help. But the Spirit of God getting around their life, around their situation, will bring transformation. I read that scripture, and I think this other thing who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? That someone is in a mess and so far away from God that he can't fix that. Who am I to judge? You know, there are some of us here is that we actually have probably started doing this. Even maybe with family members and we're like, you know what, they're too far away and we start putting them in this box that, you know what, God can't even save them. In other words, what that's saying is we're saying to ourselves, you know, we've lost hope in the power of God. We've lost hope in who God is in our life. Because as soon as you start saying that, I would have to ask this question. Do you have enough hope for Him to save you? Well, that's a big accusation. But I know He has enough hope. I know that He can do it. I know that He can save, He can deliver, He can come through. I know that the Spirit of God can bring transformation. 
I look in the mirror every day and I say, thank you, God, for the transforming power that you've had upon my life. I see testimonies that walk through these doors where people have been in a mess and they've come out in a glorious mess where they've come out triumphant, they've come out victorious and it's not just affecting their life, but it's affecting the generations to come. So then who are we to say that someone is not good enough? Who are we? This gift that is freely given in Christ, the Holy Spirit, comes this glorious grace that is freely given, transforms lives, no matter where they're at. No matter where they're at. The Spirit of God is given. Power from on high that will come and transform lives. You know, I believe this is that we need to live the life that you were called to live. Each and every one of us needs to live the life that we were called to live. You know, when the transformation comes, when we take hold of hope, when we take hold of Christ, that free gift, the Spirit of God comes and empowers us to live a life. And what I find in this life is that we need a supernatural edge. Like I said before, sometimes there are going to be issues, there's going to be circumstances in your natural world. But you know what? You need a supernatural answer. And that supernatural answer comes from the power of God, comes from the Spirit of God, comes from the manifestation of Him inside of us. 2 Corinthians 1, 20 to 22 puts it this way. Have we got it there? Whatever God has promised gets the stamp of a yes of Jesus. In Him, this is what we preach and pray. And the great amen. God's yes and our yes together, glorious evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting His yes within us. By His Spirit, He has stamped us with an eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what He is destined to complete. How good's that? what we are destined to complete. Assure, yes, by His Spirit, He has stamped an eternal pledge. An eternal pledge. Whatever God has promised gets the stamp of yes of Jesus. It gets the stamp of the yes of Jesus. Whatever God has promised. Right now, what has God promised you? Right now, what are those promises that He's given you? Maybe He gave you a promise from a young age and and you've lost hope in that promise. Maybe He's given you a promise yesterday and you're like, God, I don't know if that'll ever come true. What is that promise that He has? Have you stepped forward and claimed that promise? Have you said, you know what, God, right now, I'm going to take that. And yes, that is a yes and an amen. There are promises waiting for us to take. He is waiting for us to accept. The Hebrew word translation for amen literally means truly or so be it. It actually means the same in Greek. So be it. Truly, so be it. God promises health, wholeness, peace of mind. Yes, so be it. 
Yes, so be it. I, I believe sometimes the reason why God doesn't answer our prayers is because we leave them open-ended. It's because somewhere in the church and some people, they believe that an amen is just something traditional. It's actually the finish. It's actually the promise. It's actually saying, God, so be it. Where you're asking for prayers and you've left it open-ended. And so all of a sudden you're praying throughout your whole life without saying amen. And it's just one continuous prayer. And he's saying, okay, when are you going to finish the prayer? I want to answer it, but you haven't finished it. Just a thought. Amen. Come on, God. Your word says, so be it. So be it. So be it. The guys that wrote the epistles, at the end of the epistles, the letters, you've got Peter, John, and uh, Jude. Even the Apostle Paul, they, they put amen at the end of their epistles. In other words, so be it. May it be to God. May it be that the Lord will truly grant these blessings upon you, in other words. Is that you read these scriptures, you read these books, and at the end you say amen. At the end you declare these blessings upon your life, upon your family, upon whatever situation. When Christians say amen at the end of their prayers, we are asking God, please let it be as we have prayed. Please let it be. So be it, God. John 14, verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Son, whatever you ask. My kids, they've got a checklist. And uh, on their checklist, they've got chores that they do in the morning. And it helps them just stay focused. And so on a Sunday morning, we get up a little bit earlier than normal and we get ready. And, and uh, Jesse, you know, Jess, Jesse's an awesome kid. He's my youngest. And, and let's just say he has willpower. He knows what he wants. He gets sidetracked every now and then. But, but, he, but you know, he, he's good. But today he was a little bit slower than normal. I'm like, hey, Jess, come on. Can't you just go upstairs? Like, honestly, can't a five-year-old just go up, you know what, brush their teeth, have a shave, and be ready out the door in two seconds? Like, honestly. But I, I sent him up, and I'm like, oh, he's taking it. And I walk up the stairs, and there he is. And, and what he does is he, he gets upstairs, and, I, and he's got his checklist, and he looks at his checklist, and he looks in the mirror at the same time. And, and this was a good day because he was there. He was standing. He was looking in the mirror. He hadn't done anything because normally I go up there, and he's butt naked, and he's just looking at himself going, yeah. You know, but I, this time it was good. It was safe. And I'm like, Jesse, come on, mate. We've got it. Like, come on. We, we got to go today. Like everyone else is ready. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the first thing he's got to go, I've got to do my checklist first. I'm like, okay, do your checklist. What's the first? I've got to pray first. Okay. And I love his prayer because he stands in the mirror and he starts praying. Dear Jesus, I thank you, God, for my wife, that she's going to be this, that, blah, 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 blah. And then amen. He doesn't pray for the day. He doesn't pray for any. He prays for his future wife. But he puts an amen in it. She's going to be a godly woman, was one of the statements. What's the other one? 
She's going to be like all these things. He, she, he's proclaiming over his wife. You know, you guys should, you know, if you've got young daughters here, they're going to be blessed because he's praying for them. Right now, he's believing for them. It's a yes and an amen. Hey, Ben. But these things, it's good. But I look at that. For some of us, we need to actually have that boldness. What are you praying for? What are you declaring? What are those things? Like, you know what? He'll reap the benefits generations to come from the prayers that he's having at a young age. How many of us need to pick up where we left off and start believing? For some of us, it could be the healing. It could be the peace of mind. It could be the salvation of a loved one. Going back to actually having a hope in Christ that He is the answer to this world. Having an assurance of faith that He will do what He said that He would do. That miracles do happen today. God moves today. The assurance. But knowing that we have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us to declare a yes and an amen. Joining His yes and our yes. And seeing God move. And seeing God move. So be it. So then how do we know? How can we have a hope and assurance in God? How can we have that hope and insurance? Yes, Sam, that was good. That was awesome. Yeah, we've heard this. Jesus is the hope of the world. But how can we have that assurance? Well, if you have a look at the end of Romans there, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, he says this, but, God, but our God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The reason we can have hope is because of the demonstration of Christ Himself. Because of the demonstration of Christ Himself. Because of the demonstration of His love for you and I. You know, He gave of Himself. He turned our mess into a glorious mess through His glorious grace. Empowered by His Spirit. A demonstration, the demonstration of Him hanging on the cross for our sins. Sin is that which distances from God. Sin is an offense to God. Why is it so offensive to God? Because it cuts relationship with Him. Because it cuts relationship. Because God's desire, His plan for our life back in, is to have relationship with you and I. That's His desire. Through Genesis, right through to Revelation, you see that the book is a love story of God reaching down for all humanity and drawing humanity back to Him. He demonstrates His love. You read through the Gospels time and time again. He demonstrated His love for humanity. The woman caught in adultery was dragged out by the religious leaders and self-righteous ones of the day. She was thrown before Jesus. Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery. The law says that she should be stoned. What's Jesus do? He is without sin. Pick up the first stone. 
he is without sin, pick up the first stone. I believe, you know, there are some of us here that somehow we've ended up becoming a little self-righteous. Is it maybe some of us have actually got stones in our hand right now and you know people in your world and you're like, you know what, God, I don't think you could do anything with them. Lord God, I think you should probably judge them. And this is what they were saying, Jesus judged them. Judge her, look, she's been caught in oh, she's been caught in sin. And he makes this statement, he who is without the sin cast the first stone. He gets down on his knee and he starts writing things in the dirt. All of a sudden, the crowd that was there, the accusers, started dropping stones. Now, maybe today you need to drop a stone. Maybe there are some people in this room where you've actually picked up boulders and you're ready to knock them. God, I got a boulder for you. But here's Jesus, he's there and he writes and all of a sudden they drop their stones, they disappear. He looks at the woman in a mess. What's he say? Where are your accusers? He makes the other statement. I don't accuse you, but go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Is that when you find hope, when Jesus moves in, He loves you enough not to leave you the same. And He says, you know what that thing that offends me? Go and do it no more. Go and do it no more. And he does it through his Holy Spirit. I'll say this, sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't need help. But as we share the gospel, as we tell people about the hope of humanity, Jesus, as they accept the hope of humanity in their mess, the gift that is freely given, the Spirit of God comes in and transforms their life. Transforms their life and sometimes you don't even have to say a word. You just pray. You just believe. And at the end of the day, you say amen. You say amen. And watch God do the rest. Friend, today, I, I don't know where you stand or where you are in your walk with God. And maybe you've been coming to church for years and you know that you haven't got a relationship with God. You know that you're not right with God and there are things in your life that are distancing you from that intimacy with Him. And what I mean by that is when you first started coming to church, you could walk in and you could feel the Spirit of God. He will talk to you. He will speak to you constantly. But somehow, distance have got in. And now you find it hard to hear the voice of God. Friend, will you just accept Him again?
Will you just humble yourself again and say, God, here I am. Maybe it's opinions, maybe it's attitudes, maybe it's looking at others. And maybe you have picked up a pebble or a stone. Friend, it's time to just drop it. And say, God, I just need to come back to my first love, my first hope. There could be others in this room today and this could be your first time in church. And I don't know how you got here. You don't even know how you got here. And that's what I find about when people come to church is that you find yourself sitting in this room hearing words and and something's prompting your spirit. Today, friend, that's the Holy Spirit. That's God wanting to have a relationship with you. Is that you're not here by happenstance. You're here by purpose, His purpose. You're here by divine appointment. And He wants to say, friend, no matter what is going on in your world, no matter how much of a mess that you think you're in, is that my grace and my mercy wants to come around your life, wants to bring healing, wants to bring wholeness, and wants to turn it into a glorious mess. That's what he does. He's a change agent. He brings transformation. And all we have to do is accept All we have to do is believe in the demonstration of his love and that was Jesus hanging on a cross for our sin. For our sin, but first we need to acknowledge that we have sin and we're distanced. Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. We also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.